L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like... My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together, we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. Welcome back to the show, everyone. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. You are you. We are in Brooklyn, which means this is stuff they don't want you to know live. So we found our way to Brooklyn through a bit of a nightmarish travel scenario. We live in Atlanta, and there's a big, giant travel hub there in the form of Jackson Hartsfield International Airport. And you may know that there have been some weather concerns that have caused just this, like, domino effect of flight cancellation. So we spent about 18 hours in the airport, and yeah. we, we posted it. We, we explored that place from TGI Fridays to Gordon Biersch, and Ooh. we made some friends along the way, and then finally got here at about 3 a.m. Mm. Uh, we were a little punchy, and our hotel looks a lot like a David Lynch movie. It's called the Hotel Le Bleu. <laughs> yeah. And uh, when we walked into that place, completely sleep-deprived and weird, it, it, it was a it was a thing. It was an experience. Yeah, it's not ironic. The entire hotel is lit with blue lights, uh, and that TGA Fridays was also lit. Apparently at, at 10 a.m. it was super lit. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah, we heard from a friend. A lot of people are stranded there still. We hope we make it back. Yeah, uh, but so Atlanta's known for the airport. It's yeah. also known for 
really bad traffic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we actually are coming from a city that is in the midst of an emerging conspiracy theory. Uh, you may have heard in the news recently, there's an interstate there called I-85. It's sort of one of the arteries of the heart of the city, and part of it collapsed just a few days ago. Yeah, it's one of the only two ways that you can get into Atlanta, and it's just dead. Uh, so everybody's using all these back roads. But the big conspiracy is how could something like that happen? How and could... I mean, the government line, right, is uh, there were some dudes smoking some drugs down there, and obviously quite vigorously because they seem to have managed to set fire to a giant stockpile of PVC that was being stored underneath the overpass by the Georgia Department of Transportation. Well, yeah. now, to be fair, I don't think any of us have done hard drugs under a bridge... But well, we did meet after college. Yourself. Speak for yourself, buddy. Okay. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> Learning so much about you guys. But yeah, I mean, uh, on my way to the airport, in fact, uh, my Uber driver was like, yeah, that definitely didn't happen. There's no way. He's like, no. it was the government. It was the government. And I'll tell you why it was the government. Because we in Atlanta, you guys are blessed here with a fantastic public transit system and gets you here, there, and yawn. Wonderful. No? Well, okay. Comparatively, <laughs> comparatively magical. In Atlanta, ours is like in the shape of a T, yeah. and it'll get you to like uh, like two neighborhoods in the whole city, and then you know it's it's driving the rest of the way. But the theory is, uh, as at least as far as this Uber driver was concerned, mm-hmm. that the government blew up the bridge to increase ridership on Marta. Yep. And you know what I like about that plan is how straightforward it is. Oh yeah, it really is. It's no frills. That is a no frills conspiracy. I mean, you know, it's this Ruby. You go. You go. Remember that uh, board game Mousetrap, you oh, guys? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like on the level of mousetrap. That was a game that I like. I never actually understood the rules of or how you won. I just kind of like to mess around with it and do the thing. Yeah. You know, but I don't know if anybody's actually played mousetrap all the way through. Oh, Where are you? No? Yeah, I didn't think so. No, no one does it. Uh, but this got us thinking about infrastructure and how important it is and how often it's ignored. And we know that infrastructure is a problem in the U.S. overall. And when we think about cities, what we realize is cities are like a massive agglomeration of concrete, metal, and asphalt, but they're almost like a living organism, you know? We've got water, we have electricity, we have sewage systems, communication networks, and ways to pass all of that to people and to businesses. And the thing is, let's be honest, everybody wants to benefit from these structures. We like power, we like clean water, but not many people want it in their neighborhood. It's NIMBY. The- NIMBY. Not wow. in my backyard. Yeah, yeah. I'm the resident acronym junkie of, mm-hmm. of, of our crew, and uh, we're going to have a lot more fun acronyms for you as the show progresses, but the first one is NIMBY, not in my backyard. So the infrastructure of cities keeps them alive, but this sprawling system of systems within systems isn't always the nicest thing to look at. The equipment, it's it's dangerous, could potentially be considered an eyesore. You know, you don't want it right out in the open, so, you know, people can blow it up by smoking drugs. Um, And, you know, so this is why we generally build subways instead of superways or L trains. I guess Chicago has that, and Marta does too. But in general, you know, 
you want him away from the public yeah, eye? Yeah, yeah, like the way they treated uh, the, the way they treated children in the Victorian era. You yes. know, just yes. like, oh. put him yes. away, and then a firm handshake, an exchange of surnames at the age of eighteen. <laughs> so, uh, in some cases, it's necessary to place these things in inopportune places, in neighborhoods, mm-hmm. right next to where other human beings are trying to exist. Yeah, and this stuff is peppered throughout major cities, and especially here in New York, there are buildings that are not what they seem. They're facades. They're fake buildings, and they're meant to hide these eyesores from the general public and from everybody who is not in the know. And recently, uh, Noel and I went on an expedition with Matt's support here in New York, and we went across the boroughs, and we tracked down buildings that in some cases, didn't want to be found. And Tell me about was, the first one. Oh, like, oh, yeah, so the first one, you do the first one, Ben. That was, that was your favorite. Oh, okay, the first one, every, I feel like uh, I'm doing stand-up now. You probably heard this one. So the first one is the, a brownstone in Brooklyn. And normally, it would look like, if you're just casually passing by, you know, your Uber driver's telling you some conspiracy about the interstate, and you're like, oh, there's another sparsely decorated brownstone. I can't afford to live there. And and then if you linger, if your gaze lingers, you notice that it doesn't really have a doorknob. It doesn't really have windows that you can see into. Up close, it's a matte black. Because, you see, this brownstone does not contain a living room or a kitchen or a nuclear family with 2.5 kids or, you know, like... What is the point five? Is that a dog? Maybe it's it's a a dog. It's a kid on the way. Oh, it's oh, a kid on the way. Are you serious? No, no. But I've always wondered. <laughs> anyone talk to us after the show. All right, we'll, we'll do fractions. If anybody is good at uh, sociology, please explain that to us later. Uh, the, the, the city, the transit authority specifically, owns this building. And if you can get through that weird no doorknob door, what you will find will be a set of stairs uh, and an emergency passageway between the Bowling Green and Borough Hall stations. It, collects, it connects to the train tunnels underneath because that's where so many transit lines converge and fan out. Just right there in the middle of other people just living. And that's not the only one. That's a pretty innocuous one. Mm-hmm. Can I do my favorite? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this one's really cool just for historical reasons. Um, it is the Strecker Memorial Laboratory, which is on Roosevelt Island, which I didn't realize but has a fascinating, bizarre history unto itself. Um, it was it used to be known as Welfare Island because it was home to many of the city's hospitals, institutional buildings, and actually the country's first municipal insane asylum, which was built in the, ni- in the 19th century. Um, and we found numerous accounts that suggest that this place and many other places on the island are haunted. Is this it, where I go, Ooh. You can. No, I, I do the theremin. I feel like I do we... The, there we go. There we go. That's what. That see, good? yeah, that was great. That was full cool. theremin. Right I thought there. that was pretty good. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty convincing. And so, actually, I found out a lot of this stuff from uh, the Bowery Boys, who are performing in this festival. Uh, in the coming days, I kind of can't remember when their show is, but they're but, excellent, yeah. and they have an episode all about the strange horrors of Roosevelt Island. So check that out. What's what is what's the deal with, with so, Strecker Island, Strecker Labs? It's not Strecker Island. Oh yeah, uh, sounds like a that that a. Uh, what is it? The movie with Leonardo DiCaprio? Shutter Island. I'm Shutter getting Island. I'm getting confused. <laughs> Carry <laughs> right, on. Yeah, Rescue me. Built in 1892. Um, and it's, it's a fascinating place, as you all know. Uh, funny story. On that expedition, when we, when we went to the southern tip of Roosevelt Island, we had to walk quite a ways with film equipment and stuff. And we were turned away at the gate because Kanye West was holding a secret fashion show. 
always does that, man. And I, and I was, I was like, you know, at that time, I didn't know what his clothing line looked like. It sort of looks like Star Wars costumes. The people that like they, they live in the desert. Yeah, it's uh. like a. <laughs> That's pretty good. I feel like somebody wearing one of those costumes may have set fire to the I-85 in Atlanta. It's entirely, <laughs> entirely possible. So not all of these fake buildings are created equally, though, because uh, you may be familiar in uh, Greenwich, there's this, uh, there's this subway event that also has a memorial on it, but it's not very well disguised. Con- convincing, shall no. we say? No, no. It's, well, like, it's like this massive concrete rectangle on its end mm. and just hung on one corner of it is this like phony brick facade with window holes cut out but the windows just go back through to the concrete that you're already seeing everywhere else so it's like did you just give up like uh, yeah. You know, I don't, uh, yeah it was like 4.35 on a Friday and they said eh, okay alright people are just going to be driving by uh, the, the last one the biggest one uh, the one that I hope you get a chance to see is, uh, is in Mott Haven. It is a con ed station that looks exactly like a block large condo building. And and pretty nice condos too. A lot of people found out about this by trying to ask how much the rent was. Yeah. No, you you can't live here. They would go up and get busted. We we almost didn't get there. uh, But luckily, and we promised not to disclose his name, we ran into a guy who worked for con ed, was unhappy with his bosses, wanted us out of his hair, and just told us where to go. And I will say, you know, Matt, no, it looks like a nice building. But again, you see the, you see the hints, right? No doorknobs. No, uh, no interior, just a it's matte black surrounded window. Surrounded by a very intimidating chain-link fence atop. Mm-hmm. Kind of a fancy-looking brick wall, but that's... And then, like, surveillance cameras... Yeah, Everywhere. which probably made people think, whoa, these are really nice condos, you know? Yeah, it's, and, it's called a gated community. Right, right. <laughs> and the one thing they did have was security. A very, we weren't there for maybe more than five minutes. Yeah. And a very, very polite man. I knew he was polite because he walked out and his posture was kind of schlubby and he was holding a coffee that was clearly from like his house or something. And he walked in and he said, you know, you guys, you can't film here. I would hate for something to happen. It was Whoa. a. It was a, it was a I didn't hear that part. Man. It was a very classy <laughs> threat. It was a very polite and classy threat. But you can go up there and check it out because what it actually is is a substation, a power substation. And if that is out in the open and it's not hidden behind some sort of plausible facade, then property values will go down. Yeah. And, and this kind of stuff is, you know, I, I think an open secret for people who live in the neighborhood. Sure. You know. But we know these things are in some way necessary because secrecy is a crucial part of so many situations in our environment. And New York has a lot of secrets. It doesn't just hide subway exits. It doesn't just hide ventilation shafts or or power plants. It has much, much larger secrets, figuratively, specifically, and physically in Manhattan. Just across the river on that island that they call Manhattan, deep inside the triangle below Canal Street. Tribeca, bring it. Okay, there it is. I'm trying to make this super spooky. I'm really okay. sorry, dude. Excuse me. No, no, yes, let's no. do some like sound design. Okay. okay. There is a most curious concrete building that has several names. 33 Thomas Street. The AT&T Long Lines building. 
Oh, sorry, that wasn't a good one. Was that? Did we go to? Uh, wait, there are a couple other names. What was the? There's one name oh, that you called it. Noel? Oh, like uh, you got the Eye of Sauron. Oh, that's you know? what right. Did. Yeah, that's that what you always joke. called it. That was my joke. I'm yeah, you well, you missed it, pal. It's fine. No, because seriously, it looks like uh, it looks like it's like a, like a castle turret, and you can mm-hmm. just picture the two tips at the top just having that eye stretching across, just peering across the skyline of the city, judging. Mm-hmm. Your every move. Yeah, well, not maybe. Favorably. Yeah. So, what this building actually is technically, it's called a carrier hotel, right? And a carrier hotel is also, you know, the fancy name is the colocation center. So, it's a building where all this data, communications, information goes to one place to be stored. And the thing is, it's common for numerous service providers to share the hotel. So if you see Verizon and AT&T with their fake beef and some sort of commercial, don't be fooled. They're snuggling up together in, in the buildings. carrier hotel. Yeah, in the carrier hotel. Ugh, you know? Don't talk about what happens there. Nobody talks about it. They're like the Vegas of media communication. I should have thought that joke out better. <laughs> okay. So uh, 33... Thomas Street was designed back in 1974 by an architectural firm called John Carl Wernicke and Associates, because, you know, most of them are probably Associates. Man, your German accent is wonderful. Did I actually? You, you did a viva, viva, viva. Oh, I did? Yeah, it's good. Okay. Yeah, keep going. Well, don't tell me, because it's like, you know, when Elmer Fudd walks off a cliff, I can't look down. Okay. I just got to keep going. All right. All right. Uh, so the, uh, the thing is, though, that he got a really weird design request. They wanted him to build a 20th century fortress. Even the architectural, uh, the architectural drawings had Project X on them, which I, I, I personally find like kind of cartoonish. You yeah. know? No, like Chemical X and the Powerpuff Girls. Yeah, or like Acme and Willie uh, Wiley or Weapon X. One day I will get to work on a Project X and it will be the best day of my life. I mean, we could change the name of this show. It's we can like call it. Anything enough. can be a Project X. Okay. I think there are already Project Xs. <laughs> well, I, we might have to choose a different letter. But the craziest thing is they said, we want you to build a building that can withstand an atomic blast and the resulting fallout. So a lot of people don't know what it looks like on the inside, but we can describe what it looks like on the outside first. Yeah, so it's 550 feet tall. It has no windows and instead has exterior walls of precast concrete panels that are clad with these nice little pink-colored granite accoutrements just, make to, it pop. just to set it off, make yeah. it pop. It's a nice touch. And, um, yeah, and so the building is completely dark, meaning that at night it becomes an enormous shadow in the sky. Yeah, and it's got, it's got, you know, we're so used to very bright and uh, window-rich skyscrapers. And this one is imposing. It's got, kinda, it's got some like scary mood lighting going on, and it looks brutal because it's brutalist. So brutal. Yeah, yeah, brutalist architecture. Who said that? Who knows that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good job. Thank you. you it's points. just like looking at it, it is kind of oppressive, you know? Like yeah. a lot of those buildings just feel like they're crushing you with the weight and intensity of their design. Yeah, they're it's just, not necessarily yeah. hugging your eyes. No, no, no. no. Uh, we do know uh, that it has three below-ground levels, including a cable vault, but we don't know how many people work there. Here's where we have some weird guesses, all right? So the original designs don't specify, you know, number of employees, but what they do specify is that 1,500 people should be able to live there for, quote, a, a fortnight? A fortnight is. That's a fortnight's time. That's just weird that they put that in there, well, you, you know? know. I mean, no, it would make sense if it was the 30s, but it was like 1974. Who says Fortnite? <laughs> I feel like if you can include it in any kind of official document, you You do. know what? Yeah. 
We I should would. say Fortnite more often. A fortnight's time. See, that's great. Yeah. You're nailing that. It's like, it's like, it's imposing. So, so they said it had to be capable of sustaining 1,500 people with food, water, and leisure facilities. What are we, like, talking racquetball? Like, leisure, uh, yeah. Ping pong? Maybe, uh, maybe, I, I, yeah, maybe a pool or, like, a bowling alley? Did they or? have Atari in the 70s? I don't know. No, no <laughs> I don't think so. Like, they'd have to have uh, a lot of Ataris, right? Uh, because this is a lot of people, and it had to be self-sufficient. In an emergency, in the case of an atomic attack, this building had to continue running whatever spooky... Can I curse on this one? Can we beep it out and post? Sure, sure. Whatever... No, don't do it! Whatever kind of spooky is going on in that building. Oh, that spooky... It had to be oh. able to do it for a fortnight. Yeah. When civilization collapsed, they had 250,000 gallons of fuel just hanging out in the bottom. Yeah, so the whole point is, this is the Cold War, essentially, at least part of it, and... If this is your communications hub and a bomb goes off, you know, just on the other side of the island or somewhere pretty close, this thing has to stay there so you can tell everybody what's going on or, you know, at least contact the relevant authorities. Right, right. And there's a – do you guys remember that movie The Panic Room? Does anybody remember that? Yes. Did I make that up? Jodie Foster vehicle yep. from yep. the like early aughts. Okay. Well – I didn't, I didn't see it, yes. but it, it counts with this thing. So the, inside this building, there's a, a secure room that's called the Sensitive Compartmented Information Facility, or check this out. Mil. What is it, the SCIF? The SCIF. SCIF. I'm sorry. Oh. A SCIF. Uh, and Bomb this, the acronym. <laughs> you got it. You got it. There's so many acronyms. You know? a lot. Uh, and it records calls and internet data from around the world, and it's sort of a, a black box. Things go in. They go somewhere else. They eventually come out, but we don't know what happens within there. We do know, however, that it has monitored communications and collected communications from the United Nations, the World Monetary Fund, uh, 38 countries at least, including the ones that the U.S. is ostensibly friends with, like France, Japan, Germany. Yeah. So here, <laughs> here's the thing. <laughs> we know that someone is listening. But who is it, and why are they doing it? That's the big question. And we'll tell you right after a quick word from our sponsor. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare
When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. We're live. We're back. The question, who is listening? Why are they listening? Spoiler alert, uh, the U.S. government is listening. And they're listening to <gasps> everyone. Knew? I know. I don't think that's that big of a spoiler. I mean, I know, we saw it coming. But we've gotten dinged for, like, spoiling Lost. Like, I accidentally uh. spoiled the last episode of Lost, a show from... 10 years ago, 15 at this but point. How I don't far even back does it go? Like, is What's it, the statute of limitations right. for spoilers? Is it a spo- okay. Nine years? Five. Thank you. No, five. 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 Yeah, okay. this definitely was beyond Because I was like, is it a spoiler to say that Abraham Lincoln gets shot? Like, is there someone who does... What? <laughs> Sorry, Matt. All right. Uh, so... <laughs> We do know, we do know that they're monitoring commercial, official, and private communications, and they're aggregating. And they're analyzing this data. And uh, there's a program that's known as Fairview, where all sorts of communications are siphoned, duplicated, and recorded. Yeah, this is a program that was started in 1985. There are all kinds of different disclosures that have happened about this. You can look up a 2006 uh, report from a guy named Mark Klein. Uh, I would say Google it if you can. It's an entire several-page document where he goes into being in San Francisco and having all of these wires that go into a secret room, and he doesn't know what's going on, but the NSA people sure like that room. And you guys know how government writing is. It's super dry. The coolest thing about this stuff is they all, whenever they use a code name, it's in all caps, yeah, right? Yeah, like yeah. MKUltra, you've heard of that. Even right? if it's not an acronym. Cause you see this Fairview in all caps. I'm like, is that some sort of convoluted, absurd acronym? No. But it's in all caps, and that, I find that confusing. I don't like it. Uh, uh, <laughs> well, we could give it a shot. The uh, Federal Association – I'm freestyling here. Uh, Federal Association Integrating Rearward Valley Integrate. No, yeah, you're right. That's yeah, this tough. is tough. That's this a is tough one. Happen. That's it's a tough one. Uh, so we know about this stuff because of uh, some leaks and a great – piece published in November of 2016 in The Intercept. Uh, it was able to link the Fairview program to a physical location. Matt, can you guess which one it was? 
Oh, let me see. Was it the building we've been talking about the whole time? Yeah, yeah. It oh, was. Okay. Spoiler right. alert. Yeah, it was yeah. the building the whole time. Uh, <laughs> a secret government program called Titan Point with an E because it's, it's classy. It's very a very proper. classy program. Yeah. Uh, it, it's uh, linked to none other than 33 Thomas Street. Yeah. And they found it by analyzing secret travel guides. Is which that like a Michelin thing? Like I, a, I thought it was like a <laughs> Harry Potter thing. Apparently wow. it's real, man. That's wow. crazy. Wow. Secret travel guides. Yeah, it's a travel guide that just has protocols for any agent or person who's working with the Fairview program. How you rent a car, mm. like what you don't talk about, what right. you can talk about, and how if you, you know, break down on the side of the road, here are all the things you have to do. Oh, and what you have to do if you have to stop and take a potty break. Yep, which to me is the there. most endearing part. And most know? of it's redacted. Yeah, we'll never know what those guys do in the bathroom. So that came out weird. Uh, no, I got it. I got what you were putting down. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So one of these secret travel guides uh, revealed the Titan Points in New York City, and they talked about a partner that owned the building, a partner called Lithium. Mm. And Lithium, who oversees the building visits at this mysterious windowless skyscraper, is apparently the NSA's code name for AT&T. Uh-oh. We probably weren't supposed to know that. I don't. I don't know if they care that we know that. You know, at this point, but yeah, but now we all know it. <laughs> so what this what this means? What this all all these details mean is that right now, as we are hanging out here in the bell house, and thanks for thanks for having us. Uh, the um, we are only thirty five minutes away. We did the math. We did the taxi... The taxi math. Taxi yeah. math. We did the taxi math. Only 35 minutes away from one of the most prominent listening stations in this hemisphere. And the information we received about this building, including Snowden leaks, is probably already outdated because things move quickly. Uh, so we know that a 2015 change in the law prevented the NSA from direct, directly... Directly. Yeah. Directly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, collecting bulk telephone information. This does not extend to online activity or your Facebook friends. To wit, we don't know exactly what this location can do now. Yeah, we do know that it isn't connected to the, like, the civilian internet. Uh, because what happens is there are these interception nodes all across the country. And so, you know, um, Noel here or Matt here will will have a, a conversation online. They're texting each other and spoiling Lost or whatever. And then that'll get collected at this point, And then it'll be duplicated and transferred onto a separate private network. And it'll be piped to a place like Titan Point. And then probably stored in Utah in one of the data centers. Because that's just helpful to have. That's just how they do. It's just, you know, it's just good to have stuff, I guess. Just in case you need it. We got We have it. Yeah. yeah. So the point is... Um, this, this is known as an air gap, which makes this building very, very difficult to compromise, right, through some sort of electronic means. However, and I don't know if any of you are on a date tonight and you want to get, like, weird with it while you're waiting for the next show, uh, you can just ride over there and check it out. And you can be like, hey, look at our creepy romance. Let's take a picture in front of this building. Although, per our fake building experience, I would not be surprised if you were very quickly intercepted by some form of security personnel and asked kindly to They'd leave. be wearing an AT&T suit. It would look very unassuming, and they would ask you if you wanted some service. And they might tase you. <laughs> 
We'll know. just we'll just say, like snap the picture and go. You don't yeah, want to yeah, hang yeah. out. Yes, for, for uh, sure. Move spoiler on. alert: you they probably won't let you in. And the question is, you know, now that we're talking about this, I don't know about you, Matt Noel. Does this creep you out? Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, if it creeps you out the way it creeps out Matt and Noel, perhaps you would be interested in joining the upcoming exorcism of the NSA. Take the creep up a notch. Yeah. Like yeah. Yep. yeah. The or bill- take the creep out. There's an exorcism here in New York at 33 Thomas Street that's happening on April 15th for some reason. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So this magazine out of uh, the Bronx, no, Queens, The Quiet American is going to perform a rite of exorcism on the building at 33 Thomas Street, codenamed Titan Point. And this is from their site, but I'm going to quote it verbatim because it's just so good. Mm -hmm. In the interests of metaphysically purging the edifice of the data it hoards and invoking a less maniacal version of citizen-government relations, on April 15th at 12 p.m., a cadre of priests, supplicants, and a volunteer choir, right? That's, you gotta have that. You gotta, yeah. you gotta have that. Will exercise the malevolent energy coursing through the so-called Long Lines building at 33 Thomas Street. This sacred day falls approximately one day before the rising of Christ and three days before tax day. Oh, oh that's, man. Okay, so that's good. convenient. Oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Jeez. Also, I like the idea of a... Right. <laughs> oh, perfect. Yeah, do it. That's the yeah. date. That's the date. That's don't, the don't date. Just, don't, don't, don't half-ass it. Take, go yeah, to like, what are we going to do after the podcast? Nobody's you, here from the quiet American, right? Well, they're okay, quiet cool. Americans, dude. They're not. They're going to, like, maybe oh, wave. Never, yeah, you're right. Uh, so... I like the idea of a cadre. Can we be a cadre? I think you need more sure. than three. You guys want to be in our cadre? Can we have a cadre? Can we be cadre? Cool. Yes! Oh, whoa! I can't believe I've that. Always wanted a cadre. It was so easy. Dude, cadre. I'm, I'm filled with power. We just cadre up. What are they planning to do, Benjamin? Ah, uh, yes, yes. So here's specifically what they want to do. Just real quick, so you get an idea before you get there. You know. Uh, all right. So they're going to begin with a prayer for the building's physical materials and invoke the gods uh, that this quote architectural fiasco has insulted. They will lay a perimeter of salt around the building to quote, render ineffective the sinister frequencies it broadcasts. Now, that's going to be harder than it sounds. I'm not like a salt doctor, but I don't think it does that. Like, how much money are you going to spend on salt? Yeah, so then they'll make sacrifices to the building, like thousands of pages of personal data, bouquets of flowers, and, of course, an ostrich egg. Just one. Just one. Um, so is that, does that mean like that people are printing out their Facebook feeds and mm-hmm. setting them ablaze? Yes. I'm kind of into that because, I mean, yeah. I put more into my Facebook feed than I do like almost anything else that I do, which is sad. But I kind of <laughs> would like to, to, to yeah. burn it. You like know? Instagram. I mean, I printed out your Facebook feed and burned it before. Just, what? What? I, guys, I don't have cable, okay? That, I'm uh, just trying to do stuff. <laughs> Did you <laughs> film it? <laughs> I, I didn't really. I would never burn <laughs> Thank your you, Facebook feed. Um, your MySpace is still up. Not that I stalk you. Oh, everybody probably has a lingering MySpace somewhere. I do, yeah, definitely. So after they make these sacrifices, their idea is that this, this will release the banal facts of our lives back into their proper home, the ether, and expel the demons of fear and suspicion from within the temple. This sounds... Like, they're joking, right? Like, this is a very tongue-in-cheek, discordian, satirical... Yeah, it, it kind of is. Like a billionaires for Bush kind of thing, <laughs> you know? And it's not the first time something like this has been done. In the 60s, Kenneth Anger, who was, uh, like, a weirdo experimental filmmaker, uh, led an exorcism of the Pentagon, wherein he and his folks 
encircled it and uh, tried to levitate it and claimed to have succeeded in levitating it uh, an inch or so. A few inches. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Big building. We haven't yeah. proved anything about this. Uh, we want to have. We want to find notes. So if there are any internal Pentagon documents about the yes. building floating, please let us know. If uh, you just happen to have those. Yeah, yeah. When you showed up here, uh, this has all the makings of a sinister political thriller, right? But it doesn't stop there. You see, this obsessive listening is not restricted to spooky, monolithic buildings with cartoonishly, uh, cartoonishly ominous code names. And this we're going to talk about that uh, right after we have another sponsor break. LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. So we're back. And here's where it gets crazy. There really are extraordinary conspiracies that are hidden all around us in our neighborhoods, in our homes, in our pockets as well. Recently leaked documents confirm what the fringe was saying for years now. Your own television, cell phone, and electronic assistant 
can be remotely activated almost What about anytime. the microwave like Kellyanne Conway was saying? Is, that, yeah. a, is yeah. that a thing? You know, we were talking about this. I think it depends on the microwave. It's like, like a how, smart microwave? No. It also depends on what you're cooking. Um, you, you have to have really discerning taste to kind of go under the radar. Yeah. Okay. Well, do people have internet-connected microwaves well, yet? Well, I don't know, but they certainly... It should be on the table. That should, should be on the table. We That's should get one at the office. Yeah, it should be on the table. Uh, so... Recently, WikiLeaks uh, released some stuff describing what it calls secret spying and hacking tools developed by the CIA and British intelligence. And one hack, which was codenamed, and this is for you, Doctor Who fans, Weeping Angel. The worst, right? This is a real thing. Who writes these? I want to have the codename job. So so Weeping Angel is a fake off mode where your TV is just joshing with you and it's actually on. And these smart TVs have cameras, and they can hear you. Well, they have microphones, microphones. too, because you can talk to your remote and tell it stuff and all that. Yeah. This program specifically applies to Samsung televisions, where uh, they will appear to be off but run spyware. It Luckily, only before everybody goes home and, like, wrecks all the televisions in your neighborhood. Do it anyway, though. No, don't do it. I mean, no, not not somebody else's. Don't do that. That's probably a bad crime. Unless it is, unless it is a tele, it's only tele, this only applies to the Samsung televisions from 2012, 2013 with some outdated firmware. In which case, you know, I don't know what your television life is like, but maybe you want a new one anyway. But does this mean yeah. that like Samsung colluded with the NSA and was like, hey, let's work, let's hang, let's do ah, this? Ah, very interesting point, Noel. Very interesting question because Samsung does have a warning in their terms <laughs> and agreements. <laughs> ooh, and ooh, I'm sure ooh. we all read those, right? Uh, so Samsung says... Customers should be aware that if your spoken words include personal or other sensitive information... You say, like, words when you speak. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or, like, a, I don't know, poetry slams? Okay. I don't know. That um, can be very personal. Anyway, that information will be among the data contained and captured and transmitted to a third party through your use of voice recognition. Just a third party? Third? A third party? How is that helpful, Samsung? That's I don't so know. shady. I mean, a third party could be anybody. I'm I like, a third party. I like that they are calling it a party. You know, that makes it sound way more fun than it is. So do any of you guys have a home assistant? Not like a, like a robot butler, but like like one of those. Yeah, Alexa. You got Alexa? Alexa? Okay. Anybody have a a home? A Google home? Anybody? Yeah. Anybody have Siri on your iPhone while you're in this room with us right now? Go Siri. Definitely not in the front. Activate Siri. (laughs) No. <laughs> oh, good, good. Well, yes, yes. All of you are the best people. Um, so there were there were a lot of videos we've seen circulating online, right? A couple went viral where somebody is asking uh, Alexa it, what they do with audio data in the CIA, right? Mm-hmm. And Alexa doesn't outright answer at the time. And there are people who believe this indicates that Alexa is being purposefully evasive rather than understanding that, you know, uh, AI has limits because we're kind of... If we're like, oh, Alexa, you're not going to trick me. I see what's going on. We're sort of ascribing human emotions and motivations to something that is, we're anthropomorphizing. I drew a face on mine. You drew a face on yours? <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't have one either. But the people who really do believe that this kind of thing is going down, though, they get out the board. They start connecting things up. So this is how it goes. <clears throat> Amazon, the company, is owned by a certain Jeff Bezos. That's the the video part where it says, here's where it starts. Uh, Then he also owns the Washington Post. And because he has a contract working with the CIA, Alexa very could, very well could be recording all of us 
anyone who uses it and sending it directly to the old CIA. Yeah, okay, yeah. I, I see where that, where that maps out, but it's true that for a long time Alexa did keep mum if you asked if you were being recorded, but again, is that an indication of a conspiracy or were the programmers just not bothering to build a specific response? Was it like a non-player character in a video game where you can only ask certain questions and they can only say certain things? It's like that, like that one in uh, Skyrim that always took an arrow to the knee repeatedly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. kind of like that. Same, yep. same issue. Same thing. Or uh, maybe Alexa's misinterpreting these questions. Like it, maybe when you say, are you connected to the CIA, it's looking for a Wi-Fi. Yeah, I yeah. Same, my external hard drive, CIA 1 through whatever I have. You know. uh, but Alexa knows what the CIA is if you ask Alexa. Well, the first paragraph of the Wikipedia entry. True, you're which right. I, which I, you know, I appreciate. Um, Alexa, though, has recently been updated. She's, she's a whole new woman now. So uh, if, you, if you ask the CIA question, she'll say, No, no I work for, for Amazon. Amazon. Yeah, uh, but she doesn't say why. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Oh, wait, and, and that's, that's also a point with Siri, right? Because uh, it sounds like we're picking on Alexa, but Siri also gives non-answers, things that sound evasive. Like, if you ask if she's recording you, she'll say, I can't answer that. I can't answer that, Dave. <laughs> oh, God, no. Siri thinks my name is Dave. Yeah. Uh, so Siri thinks my name is Princess because my eight-year-old told her so. Oh, boy. And I just never bothered to change it because she's smarter than me. So Uh, so Google's personal assistant answers, uh, if you ask, hey, Google, are you uh, connected to the CIA? It says. Oh, 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 wait, hold on. What is it? Where are we at? Yeah, I got to do the voice. Oh, uh, where is it? Hey, Google. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It says, I have to admit, I'm not sure. What? That's the worst You're one yet. You're not sure? What kind, of sh- what kind of shady relationship nope. is that? And I've been in <laughs> nope. some weird ones. Uh, the, the question of connection, again, that seems to be the issue. If the information collected by Google is indeed being like sent out to an intelligence agency, then each individual device is not you know, likely con- connected directly to an NSA server. It would make more sense for the data to be collected and split off, and that's the case with AT&T's info at Titan Point. Yeah, so if you're using it and it's going through one of these big carrier hotels, it doesn't matter if Amazon or Google or Apple is working with the CIA. And the, the statistics show that consumers are supporting this. If intelligence agencies are, in fact, if these conspiracy theories are true and there is a massive uh, sweeping collection of data, then people people seem to be on board. According to the 2017 Voice Report from Voice Labs, Amazon Echo and Google Home smart speakers are going to sell more than 24 million units through the end of 2017. Mm. Yeah, Mm -mm. that means there are going to be a total of 33 million or so in... Just in living rooms and, I guess, bathrooms? I don't know. Where do you put a assistant besides a living room? Your room? Yeah. Huh. So here's the kicker. Even if Amazon, (laughs) Google, and Apple aren't sending this data collected directly to, you know, Uncle Sam and the CIA and stuff, uh, they'll still be able to collect it later, or the private company will be able to keep it as long as it wants. I mean, who reads the terms and agreements? But 
There's a silver lining here, maybe. Yeah, it's it's a it's sort of a creepy silver lining. But have you guys seen that movie? Uh, was it Ex Machina? Yeah, is that what it was called? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, so the sort of like sinister Elon Musk esque figure in that film, um, who created the AI, the film is about did a thing where he kind of did a backroom creepy deal with the government where he turned every cell phone... Or no, it wasn't with the government. It was with these giant conglomo telecom companies. Sure. Turned every cell phone in the world into a listening device that then fed his neural network that he was using to create his artificial intelligence. So by virtue of like hearing all of these various human interactions, it could create a more realistic, empathetic copy of a human intelligence in theory. Yeah. So that was just a movie. Yeah, yeah, that but, was just a movie. Yeah. Yep, but it's really happening. It's not that far from the possibilities. We're talking about neural networks, right, and machine consciousness or AI. We know that chatbots, based on human interactions with actual, you know, people, have been built before. There was the famous one on Twitter that got super weird. Yeah, weird is one word for it. Okay, um, racist. Yeah, well, it was okay, fine. Racist. Fine. Yeah. It was real. Uh, yeah, it's called Tay Tweets. Microsoft built it within 24 hours of going public. Mm. Just based on conversations with people on Twitter, it, it, like, it went bonkers. I think I'm, I'm willing to curse on the stage, but I don't think I'm going to read that <laughs> stuff verbatim. Well, and the, the whole idea is that it only knows what it's being uh, sent, right? Or right, what, what it's it being taught. Yeah. yeah. So if you're teaching an AI every single online interaction that has ever occurred since 2003, um, I mean, we're probably getting close to something that's going to be intelligent. Well, what if it doesn't like maybe. us? What yeah. if it hates us? What if it wants to extinguish our entire... Oh, yeah. it's going to. Yeah. Oh, it's, but that's, that's, going to. that's the other thing, you guys. I don't want to embarrass anybody other than myself, but when I think about the conversations I've had online... And the stuff that I've said, my drunken Facebook likes alone are teaching artificial intelligence terrible, terrible things. Well, we're really good <laughs> at turning silver linings around pretty quick. So what, <laughs> let's, let's go down that, that path for a second. What if this information that's being stored in these hubs, you know, like your Facebook likes and stuff, what if, like, given a more drastic shift in government than we're seeing right now, I don't know what that's going to look like. Oh, it's terrifying. <laughs> but what if, you know... Sh- Stuff gets really weird, and all of a sudden it becomes illegal to have, you know, liked Bernie Sanders on Facebook, and it becomes like an executable offense. Right. And all that stuff is stored in perpetuity in these hubs, and then all of a sudden, like, the government can go back and figure it out and put you on a list. Yeah, that's that's the problem. It's alarmist a little bit. You just have to get re-educated. It wouldn't be that bad. Is it that far off the mark, though? I don't know. Well, that's the problem with the old argument that, uh, oh, if you got got nothing to hide, what what are you afraid for? Why are you being such a wuss? Was that like a Rocky voice? (laughs) I don't know. In my head, it's some guy named Derek. Oh, I like it. Uh, Derek seems cool. Derek seems a little bit aggro, but I think he's, he's, you know, he's, you've got a he's good coming point around. for him. He's coming around. Yeah, because if the situation changes and the things that were once, you know, protected by a freedom of speech or freedom of thought are no longer protected, then it applies retroactively. In many ways, this is similar to like if you had a tattoo when tattoos were legal, and now all of a sudden somebody is a massive dick about it and tattoos aren't, aren't legal, and then you're culpable for that. Ultimately, one of the arguments would be that the only way we can control the flow of our personal information is to avoid using these devices entirely. But guys, I object to that. Yeah. I think it's unrealistic. And I think it's time that we consider more and more often 
the, the way this stuff leaks. So we've all heard about secondhand smoking, right? There's secondhand privacy as well. So if I ever go that extra 2% into the realm of full lunatic, and I'm like off the grid, I'm like, no Facebook, Matt, no Instagram, no, and everybody take my computers. Just from hanging out with these guys, if they have phones, I'm still showing up. Oh, come on, man. It's like when I used to play uh, Pokemon Go for that week. Um, and we're like at a bar hanging out, and I'm like, oh, dude, hold still. There's a jigglypuff on your ear, and I'm trying to get it. And then Ben is like, no, you know? Okay. Yeah, it happens. I get it, though, man. I get it. But at yeah. the same time, I want to be able to catch a jigglypuff at the bar. So it's cool. <laughs> I'm okay with all this stuff, and a lot of us are. And, like, I know that it's an issue, you know, for many of us. Mm-hmm. Some people, you know, they put tape over their phone camera. But I'm kind of, I know, I know. But I'm kind of of the mind, you know, where it's like, I, I'm, it's worth it to me to make the trade-off, to be able to use Facebook, to be able to catch a Jigglypuff. That like, I'm not that interesting. What are they going to do with my stuff? Well, okay, but then when you look at the big picture, that's where it starts mattering. And maybe I'm I, I'm a little short-sighted in that respect. Uh, I've got your back, man. Yeah, man. I appreciate it. School me. What's oh, the big picture? I, okay. Uh, ooh, <laughs> ooh. Um, all right. So the thing is that you'll hear often that we are facing as a society an extinction of privacy. That is not the case, because what we consider privacy, historically, is a very recent phenomenon. And what is actually happening, I would argue, is that we see an accelerating inequality of privacy. Privacy is becoming one of the most important currencies of the modern age, and it's getting tougher and tougher to access it. So what happens, you know, we, what happens if the beliefs you expound 10 years ago suddenly come back to haunt you like ghosts. You know, what What happens if we live in a world where microwaves and toasters and televisions are listening to every word we say, which is, God, I feel sorry for those guys. It's going to be disappointing, you know? Yeah. We always joke around that we have an NSA intern named Steve, I think. Steve! Yeah, we don't mean to, you know... If, somebody's fr- if somebody from the NSA is listening to us, it's probably... They definitely a- are, dude. Yeah, it's probably like a freshman who's doing an internship <gasps> Poor thing. Poor guy, man. And he's oh. and he's just like, oh god, please stop with the jokes. Yeah, you're not funny. <laughs> you guys no. aren't as funny as you think you are. It happens. We uh, get there, it. there's something else here that we should talk about, which is that recent legislation that mm-hmm. was, uh, I think, signed by uh, signed by what do you, what do you call him? Uh, Little Twenty Four. Uh, okay, signed by Tom, signed by Trump. Uh, no, no, not Twenty Four. Uh, forty five. Forty five. Little Forty Five. Little Forty Five. I thought you were just being generous. No, I would. No, I do, I, I, I'm not. I'm only good at taxi math. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right, so taxi about the site. Uh, there, there's, uh, there's legislation that will pass that's, that's threatening to uh, allow private companies, whomever they are, to not only sell your data without your consent, you know, to advertisers, to insurance companies in a way that might impact your, uh, your insurance situation. Uh, they also are making money off of it. And here's the thing. Here's the, like as a cheapskate. You don't even get a cut. Yeah, I know. You don't even get like 10%. This is one of the most lucrative things you can do now with a company is collect data and then sell it. Which brings us to the most important acronym of the evening, VPN. Ooh. Ah, yes. What is that, Noel? (laughs) It's a proxy. 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 Yes, (laughs) yes, yes. 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 
Okay, so what, what's important? I know you then? use one. I mean, you use one of the, the, yeah, the highfalutin but, paid ones. Yeah, but I'm sketchy. But you can get them for free, too. And it allows you to reroute your mm. internet traffic, your you know IP address, in a way where you can't be tracked in the same way that people that don't use them are able to be tracked. Yeah, so, one, more, one more set of an obstacle. And it's increasingly difficult to be anonymous online, like cartoonishly so. Uh, but you can do what you can, and that's all you can do. Boy, that came out pretty... Tautological, no, didn't no, it's it? good. Yeah. Okay, well, we're live. Uh, but, <laughs> but the point is here, what, if we brought all of this back around, the point, on purpose, uh, the point is simple. Whether or not these alarmist conspiracy theories are true, whether or not it's malarkey or the real deal, a, a fried bologna sandwich or the God's honest truth, no matter what any of us might think about it, the fact remains that there is a windowless skyscraper a half hour away from here, and it's watching you. And listening. That's it. That's, that's the part we had uh, written out. I, I guess we're going to say thank you guys so much yeah, for sticking for around for yeah, our show. We awesome. really appreciate it. And thank you to the Bell House. Thank you to Jeremy and AJ for the pod fest and having us over. Definitely. Thank you to John for doing security. He's awesome. Oh, yeah. That guy is awesome. And thanks to the Majority Report. That was fantastic. Yeah, yes. yeah. Yes. And majority thank you most report. importantly so to you guys for yes. supporting podcasts. Thank you. BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.